This is Dialogue Gospel Sunday Study. Hello, uh, welcome to Dialogue Gospel Study. Today is October 23rd, 2022, and we are here today with Adam McLean. As we try to stay in sync with the Come Follow Me program, the scriptures that we are addressing today are the latter part of Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. Uh, I know by experience that's impossible to cover, and we don't expect coverage, so it'll be interesting to see where Adam takes us today. I am Chris Kimball of the Dialogue Foundation Board. I will be conducting today. We have uh, Rebecca Deschweinitz and Michael Austin, also of the Dialogue Foundation Board, with us and participating. If you're live on Zoom, you will know that there is a chat function and uh, respectful, relevant comments are appreciated and encouraged. We will follow the chat and introduce comments and questions. Um, Adam tells me that this today's lesson will be more discussion than lecture, so that pay attention. Um, we are also live on Facebook, and we'll try to follow those comments as well. Uh, regarding dialogue, let me encourage you to go to dialoguejournal.com. Uh, all of our offerings are there. In the first issue of Dialogue, founder Eugene England wrote, my faith encourages my curiosity and awe. It thrusts me out into relationship with all creation and encourages me to enter into dialogue. It is that dialogue in faith, curiosity, and awe that continues to guide our work, all that dialogue does. Uh, that dialoguejournal.com will give you access to all of the previous gospel study lessons, uh, like this one, um, Dialogue Out Loud, where there's a new entry called The Private Investigator and the Dialogue Book Report. Um, the Dialogue Podcast Network can be accessed there, including a relatively new in edition called This Global Latter-day Life with host Carolyn Klein. Of course, the latest issue of the journal and all of our archive, all 50 years plus, more than five decades of content, scholarship, poetry, essays, art, fiction is all there. Um, we've put all of the Dialogue Journal on, uh, on archive and accessible through dialoguejournal.com, including with a good search function, as I have recently uh, studied. And, of course, there's a donate button. Um, by putting all of Dialogue online and available, we have gone to a free online model. Uh, the journal on paper uh, still has a subscription price, but everything else is available um, free online. And we are raising money in the uh, NPR format. Uh, please support dialoguejournal.com or di the Dialogue Journal. The, um... That's my, uh, that's my uh, Dialogue uh, uh, promotion for the day, if you will. Now, I want to introduce Adam McLean and also um, Christine Anderson and Megan Armknecht, who are with us today. Um, Adam? is an MA-PhD student in the English department and a first-year writing instructor at the University of Connecticut. He writes and researches on dystopian literature, legal theory, and sexual ethics. His recent publications include editorial collections of essays, one on science fiction and Mormonism, and the other on science fiction and sexual violence. 
and he has reviews and and writing in has published in Dialogue, in the SFRA Review, Daphner, Fantasy Animation, Reading Religion, and in Dawning of a Brighter Day. He has a BA in English Editing and Women's Studies from BYU, and a Master of Theology or Theological Studies from Harvard University. Adam lives in the middle of the woods in Connecticut with his dog, Guinevere, and he says he has too many books. You see my background, you will recognize that I am not sure too many is an appropriate adjective there. Um, Christine Anderson is with us. She is from Rexburg, Idaho. As an independent scholar, she studies civil rights protests against BYU sports. She does community service in her free time and helped found Rexburg's first LGBTQ resource center called Flourish Point. She has four kids, and she shares her love for dialogue on Twitter. Uh, Megan, Megan Connect is with us as a PhD student in history at Princeton University. She recently published an essay in dialogue called In Praise of Belly Buttons for Meditations. She currently lives in Washington, D.C. Uh, Christine will be offering the opening prayer. Megan will be offering the closing prayer. Um, and available for conversation and discussion in today. Um, I'm going to give you the regular disclaimer, which is true for any. Latter-day Saint uh, scripture study, gospel study class or, or program, that the views expressed today are the individual teacher and the participants. They do not necessarily reflect the Dialogue Foundation or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or Brigham Young University or any of the other institutions or organizations that any of the participants belong to or are a part of. Uh, these are individual voices today, as always. So I'm going to, here's, here we begin with the program. Um, we'll start today with music, Be Still My Soul, sung by Calabro. Uh, the opening prayer will be offered by Christine Anderson, and then Adam will launch immediately. Uh, when we get to the end of the lesson, Adam is, has asked that we have a one-minute um, time of silence, a meditative minute. And then Megan Arm Connect will offer the closing prayer. I'll go ahead. Dear Heavenly Father, we're grateful for our many blessings. We are grateful for the Sabbath day. We are grateful for the dialogue community. We pray that uh, this lesson will enlighten our understandings and that we may all be edified. We pray that we can uh, strive to uh, strengthen our relationships to serve each other and to see each other as uh, that would have us do and treat each other the way. And we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. <clears throat> thanks, Christine, for that prayer. And um, uh, thanks, Rebecca and Chris, for inviting me along for this, this fun ride today that we're going to go on. Um, they, when, when I first got the email, I thought that was a lot of scripture to cover because <laughs> we have uh, Jeremiah 30 to 33 and 36, Lamentations 1 and 3, Ezekiel 1 through 3, 33 to 34, 36 to 37, and Daniel 1 through 6, which is, you know, a, a broad swathe of um, Jewish history. Um, and uh, it's, 
a lot to cover for someone who doesn't study the Old Testament, who doesn't feel quite as confident in approaching the Old Testament um, as I do. And so I, I wondered for for a while how I could approach these scriptures and how I would want to do it. Um, and I think we're gonna we're gonna really focus first briefly on some context for where we're at, and then focus in on questions around prophecy and around hope. The scriptures that um, the Come Follow Me program follows today focus in on, you know, prophecies of retribution as um, the Jewish people are in exile along a lot of this time, and a lot of it's coming to a close, their their time um, and being in, in a certain form of power, and they're, they're learning there, um, they're not always going to be as uh, um, given the the power in the world. And so uh, as uh, the prophets come out and uh, start declaring that, you know, eventually retribution will come, eventually things will happen where hopefully they'll, they'll get back into the Lord's good graces. Um, they, they prophesy things of retribution and things of hope. And I want to focus in on, on those ideas for, for prophecy and for hope and how we can uh, take it on a perspective for our own day with these questions. Um, so I'm going to share my screen now. Let me actually do this real quick. Um, and the, the presentation that I'm sharing is really to emphasize the questions so we have them with us um, as we engage in um, the different questions that I have. I, I want to take this as a moment for those of us on screen to talk and to, to think through questions that I'm going to ask and also to allow people in the chat to, to engage and offer their perspectives as well. Um, Briefly, some, some context for the scriptures that we're going over in Jeremiah 30 to 33 and 36. Jeremiah prophesies of the retribution of God because of the destruction of Jerusalem. In Lamentations 1 and 3, Jeremiah laments over the list loss. Um, Ezekiel covers some of the same period as Jeremiah, um, and he prophesies of the doom of Jerusalem and the hope of restoration and retribution that the Lord has promised um, his people. And then in Daniel 1 through 6, we get Daniel, who is in exile, I forgot to finish that thought for the presentation, but he prophesies of, you know, stones cut out of the mountain and this eventual triumphantness um, for, for people. And a lot of these prophecies are taken in multiple ways as we engage with the scriptures and engage in thoughts. So I wanted to split this lesson into two different um, modules or two different thoughts. The first is about prophecy and perspective or perspective and prophecy, thinking about what exactly is prophecy and thinking about it in, in our, our contemporary perspective and how we look back and look forward. So uh, I wanted to open up first with the question of uh, what is prophecy? And anyone on the call or in the chat can kind of engage in that. I have a few thoughts that I'm going to share after we discuss a little bit. But first, I want to hear um, from Megan, Christine, Chris, and Rebecca, and anyone in the chat. Well, since I knew this, this is where you were going, Adam, I have had a chance to think a little bit. I, I, so I'll, I'll begin with a comment that it's um, future-looking. Prophecy is, I think of it as future-looking, but um, almost always when I think about what's in the, what I read in the, in the scriptures in particular, it's 
fairly short term and it's not uh, absolute. That is, um, tends to be what will happen or what might happen if not or if so. So it's some of it is what might happen if you don't shape up. Uh, and some of it, and much of it is fairly short term. That is, if you thinking about what the scriptures say, it's next year, uh, next five years, um, what will happen in the war that is pending. Not, um, well, very little is the, um, you know, in the millennium or in the, in the, in the, uh, a thousand years from now. And that, that makes it, complicated to read the words of prophecy in the scripture and think, what does that mean for me? So in the chat, David Sandberg says, putting both past and future into perspective of today's need uh, and inspired prophecy becomes symbolic and relevant to many today's. So, um, yeah. Uh, so, so I guess, you know, that makes me think too, along the lines of um, prophecy gets us to maybe step outside of our own kind of narrow observations. Um, and, and I'm thinking about Deidre's lesson last time uh, where it's, it's about truth telling and truth telling that gets us to think uh, again, like outside of what we can ourselves see um, and taking on this larger perspective that can take us into the future or possible futures different todays. I like this plurality that's coming out with prophecy, right? It's not just, you know, uh, A equals B. It's uh, A equals B, C, D, et cetera, et cetera, here. And, and all of the three comments that have been shared so far, um, it's added thoughts there. So another great comment in the chat, uh, reading into the nature of reality in ways that defy our expectations, culture, and traditional ways of seeing. Uh, yeah, I really love that. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I like that. I picked up from that uh, defy our expectations. A lot of prophecy, after the fact, we sometimes look at prophecy in the scriptures and say, well, that was obvious or it was easy. but very often it is, it was not at the moment. That is, a lot of the prophecy has a component of, of surprise or of um, new information that uh, was not part of the common currency conversation at the moment. And Christine and Megan, feel free to jump in here, too. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to kind of put my thoughts together, I think, about that, like, what is prophecy? And, like, there's been, like, really good, um, like, just, like, comments in the chat kind of, like, about, like, describing what it is. But I'm also kind of thinking about prophecy in, like, relation to kind of, like, where we talk about it as being one of those gifts, gifts of the spirit as well, kind of, like, where a prophecy is. It can be a gift. Um, but that doesn't mean I think it's an easy gift to hold for either like the person with the gift of prophecy or those receiving it either. Um, it's I think sometimes those gifts, it takes time 
maybe to like to to learn how to receive them and to understand what they what they mean for us. Um, those are certain just thoughts that come up um, that I'm thinking about right now. Um, but there's also some really wonderful um, comments in the chat. But I'm just thinking about that kind of as what does it mean of prophecy being a gift, perhaps. Yeah, I like that thought about um, it as a gift, and it's often, uh, you know, a gift that's not wanted <laughs> or, or you know, you feel inadequate for um, and try to um, run away from or um, talk back to, as, as we saw with, uh, with Jeremiah la- uh, last time. Well, to go along with that too, I think certainly like with that, I mean, thinking about a lot of prophets, yeah, running away from, from this call and from, from prophecy, thinking about, I mean, obviously we have Jeremiah here, but also Isaiah kind of like receiving like the, the gift of prophecy kind of as like a coal on his tongue. Like that's, it's unpleasant. It's not, um, and something that again, like that people, they, they don't know, they don't, they don't know how to deal with this like defiance of expectations of their expectations and their worldview being shifted in such a way. I like this comment, uh, Jody, Jody Hansen talking about prophecy needs to be considered through the filter of whoever speaks. Um, my version there would be that we, um, there's a, there's a temptation that I fight to treat prophecy as a, as a prediction. And I don't think it is that I don't think it's an if then, or a, this will happen. Um, it's a it's a vision of the future or a vision of a possible future. And Adam, I'm, you may be coming back to science fiction here before we're done, but uh, <laughs> a vision of a possible future as opposed to an an if then sort of automatic. This this will happen. Um, that's that requires that we listen with filtering, with um, understanding, with possibilities in mind as opposed to um, mechanical uh, 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 rule-based um, uh, prescription or, or prediction. Yeah, so some of that fits with another comment um, that says, for LDS, we think the words are divine, uh, but maybe the reminder that uh, kind of God's will, the possible futures are going to be filtered by the time and place uh, and the conception of, of reality, right? <laughs> um, and trying to move us, um, you know, through that limited understanding to another um, larger understanding. I like this reminder that, uh, that the, um, Prophecy or the gift of prophecy is, or being a prophet isn't always associated with being a leader, an administrator, a, uh, a, a governor. And often prophecy comes from the outside, comes from the margins. Mm-hmm. I like what Rebecca shared about gifts, how it's not a gift that's always wanted. And I was thinking, <laughs> I think we have a, a, a view of gifts when it comes to like, like Christmas, right? Where it's like you have the list and you give the list to someone and that's the gift they give you. But the real gift is always the gift that you don't know you really wanted or that really touches you in some way. 
Um, that's always the gift that you remember, right? Is the one that it's not exactly what you wanted, but it fulfilled something in you. It fulfilled a connection. It fulfilled a, a thing that you needed, but you didn't know you need. Um, I think that applies a lot to a lot of these comments on prophecy. It's it's something that's outside of um, ourselves. It's something that reaches us outside of ourselves, and it's something that connects us to a, a future, to a continuity, to a futurity, almost, um, if you want to use that term, um, that keeps us going. Do you guys have any other comments on what is prophecy? Well, I'll just, as I'm thinking about some of these specific scriptures in Jeremiah, uh, you know, so <laughs> kind of looking at the plight of Israel at the time that Jeremiah is prophesying, prophesying uh, and he's saying things like, you know, the borders of Israel are going to expand, you know, far beyond, you know, what what are presently um, constituted. And and so it's speaking to uh, the kind of concerns and the, the way of framing of the people at the time. But it's also, as you think about kind of the larger meaning of um, this bigger picture of the Lord's covenant people, it takes on other aspects, right? That prophecy also ha- is, is multi-layered in its meaning, it seems to me. Um, exactly. I, I always love when you take something and you make it into prophecies, like when you plural something, whenever you're thinking about it, and so it's not a singular, it becomes multiple. Um, since that always represents the the things that we're dealing with. I mean, the prophets in the Old Testament were dealing with not only themselves, but they were dealing with their relationship to God. They were dealing with Israel's relationship to God. And I mean, there's these multiple layers, as you were mentioning, um, to prophecy. Um, I don't want to stick too much time on on just this basic idea. I wanted to, to start us germinating our thoughts on prophecy because I want to take it into what does it mean to us today and what does it mean when we're dealing with these prophecies in the Old Testament that are related to um, to Jerusalem, to Israel, and to these people who we relate to tangentially but not always um, perfectly within ourselves. Um, first, I wanted to mention some things that I thought of when I was thinking about prophecy. I thought about how prophecy is a declaration of something that will happen, how it's a hope that something will occur or happen in a specific way, how it can be a tool of faith to encourage belief and work toward that specific belief, and how it can also be a unifying and conforming tool that aligns a large group of people to a certain um, perspective or to a certain goal together. Um, I think a lot of these are sometimes the prophecies that come out in the Old Testament are there there to build um, a people, to unify them around a, a specific idea or a specific task. Uh, I think that happens a lot, too, with um, how we relate to prophets and prophecy in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. A lot of it's a tool to to connect us and to combine us on a specific idea. Thinking about the, the prophecy of reading the Book of Mormon by the end of the year that I think President Hinckley gave years ago um, that unified us as a people, right? Um, or, or different prophecies when um, prophets speak about, you know, something that could happen or will happen as we do efforts. Um, specifically, as we turn to the prophecies in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, though, a lot of the prophecies are about retribution. Um, they prophesy the retribution. That will be the Lord's retribution to people. It will be this um, um, this 
fixing or corrective of a, a negative that has happened in the life of, of the house of Israel. So um, when I'm framing this idea of prophecy in perspective, I am putting out um, over the course of this lesson, at least three different ideas of how prophecy is discussed in the scriptures that we cover for today. And then I want us to discuss the question or the perspective of how we might approach these. So how might we consider retribution in a prophecy? Um, when I was thinking about this question, I was thinking specifically how to parse together this idea of God seeking retribution on behalf of God's people and um, God being a loving, kind God at the same time. And, and trying to mash those together is, is sometimes difficult for me. So I wanted to hear what people had to think about that. Um, what happens when a prophet prophesies, you know, retribution or um, things like that? I was muted. This is one that's troubled me a lot. So I'll, so I want to jump on it and have at least chance to comment. That is, it seems like prophets often put what I think of as a, a vision of a possible future of destruction, of damage, of, uh, of a hurricane even, um, put it in the words of God will do, the Lord will do, the and and I I guess I think that's that's a human failing almost to put um disasters coming in terms of what God will do. It does lead to us jumping through hoops doing our theology about what is the nature of God. But I think I have always thought it's just a mistake. It's just a it's a human rhetorical device that many prophets have used to put a bad thing coming in the hands of God. And maybe that's heretical, but no, that's, that's, that's what I have to do with some of those, some of those prophecies. I also sometimes view it as a rhetorical device, but I view it as two different types of rhetorical devices here. One that perhaps might, save theologically our idea of the nature of God being kind or good or loving. And it's that when I, I always think of when they say, you know, retribution or revenge will be the Lord specifically. And I think of how that points us to God as the true arbiter of justice, as the true enactor of things um, versus, you know, our desire perhaps to, you know, get a little revenge to, you know, punch back at the bullies, um, so to speak. But I, I think sometimes as well, when they point to God, we can read that as a, a rhetorical move to move your anger and give it up to God. Um, which was one thought that I had when I was considering this of how, um, when they're saying it is the Lord's, right. That means it's God's not ours. Um, but I, I do also think about the rhetorical moves of it, right. How it provides, certain um authority to a voice to say you know this is god's will um so i can see it both ways so i'm thinking about um you know kind of our understanding of the retribution <laughs> that is coming across as prophecy um and what is actually happening in that expression of retribution, um, that it's, that it tends to be, um, 
you know, God speaking out against the suffering of his people <laughs> and that, um, and that that suffering that we cause each other is not okay. Um, and that God is aware of that. And his intention is to take care of all of his children. Um, and so, so I guess, you know, we, we sometimes kind of think about this in terms of like, we're part of some, um, you know, group maybe that's going to get retribution, <laughs> whether it's, you know, the suffering of the saints in Missouri and elsewhere. And then, you know, God's going to put like, you know, bless his covenant people um, rather than kind of the message. The larger message is that we're all children of God and it's God's way to have us live in harmony with each other. Um Anyway, I'm I'm trying to kind of think about it maybe in that way. And especially as I think about some of these chapters in Jeremiah where he's saying things like, I will be the God of all the families of Israel. And I'm going to gather folks from the north and from the west and from like all parts. Um, and he's specifically talking about those who would suffer the most, people who are, you know, the blind and the lame, the woman and the child. Um, and it's they're weeping that that he's aware of and he doesn't um he's not um the author of a world <laughs> where we're causing each other that kind of suffering um and god's kind of justice and retribution is actually that we're keeping what's outlined in our baptismal covenants that we're taking care of each other um we're loving our neighbor as we love god we're mourning with those who mourn um, comforting those who stand in need of comfort. Uh, and we're not separating ourselves off into these, all of these different kind of separate groups that, that find excuses to not take care of each other. Does that make sense? Yeah. From, from what I understand here, it's that God's retribution is us being more God-like toward each other. And I, I like that. I really like that thought because it's like this reading of, you know, turning the other cheek. It's the reading through through Christ's teachings of, of caring for everyone else, of being there for everyone else um, to this idea of retribution. Because uh, when I was first reading it all and, and going into it for preparation, I, I thought retribution, it's this very um, heavy and very negative thing. But here's a positive retribution that you're offering that I really like, that it's it's not God raining down hellfire it's god telling us to be godlike to be disciples and uh, i think that that reads really well through through christ's teachings especially uh, you can you can read retribution as a little bit less about motive and a little bit more about um like rebecca was saying the I am a God of all these peoples, and this is complicated, and this is this is the way it works. This is, I mean, so it in in the sense that I am a God of all these people, I am responsible for what's happening, and maybe I'm supposed to be sorry for it. But this is really a complicated system, and and you know, wars are one of the features of. Uh, not a not a bug, but a but a 
a necessary feature of I hate to think of it that way, but maybe that is a uh, you know a way to turn retribution into a almost a natural consequence as opposed to a a motive motivated because I'm mad at you. There's a really good book. Sorry, <laughs> your your thought made me think of this book, and I don't check the title. It's called "War Is a Force That Gives Us Meaning" by Chris Hedges. Um, he's a, a journalist who, who, you know, spent a lot of time in war zones and he thought about how, like, we're not, never going to live without war. We're never going to live without, um, you know, these negative things that we can say are, you know, objectively negative. And so how do we make meaning out of that? How do we um, approach that? And I think that's a good way to approach, approach this idea of retribution in a prophecy is, uh, you know, it's first off, as we were talking about God's um, retribution, but it's also um, something that we can find meaning in, something that we can make meaning out of, and something that we can approach in a, a, a way that's trying to better ourselves personally. Um, I think as well, some of our comments lead to the next question that I had about prophecy. So in Jeremiah's, Ezekiel's, and Daniel's prophecies, they discuss many times that the Lord is on their side. Um, and of course, we have God's chosen people being the people of Israel, but we have a lot of other people living at the same time. And so I want us to think through this idea, um, especially with, you know, so many people nowadays claiming the Lord is on their side or a God is on their side in some way. Um, how do we, how do we parse prophecies of the Lord being on our side? Um, and I'm thinking through, uh, like we have, we have a, a simple answer within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You know, we have a prophet. God's always on the side of the prophet. But I want to I kind of dive deeper into this when we're engaging with each other, right? And we have two people who both believe that the Lord is on their side. How do we approach that? And how do we think about that? Yeah, so, I mean, I think... I mean, the tendency is, right, to separate off into groups. Um, but I think that Jeremiah, I mean, is really saying, you know, the Lord is on your side, but your side is different than what you think it is. <laughs> that it's, you know, all of Israel, like all of my covenant people, and it extends beyond the boundaries that you normally associate, both physically and um, and and otherwise, and so if you can stop thinking, as he says, like they shall they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother. Like you know, you can't just siphon off into your own little neighborhoods or your own little family groups. That um, that if you actually have me in your hearts, if you're actually that kind of covenant people, um, if I'm really on your side, then you're not thinking in in those kind of terms of how we think of sides, right? So I love what um, Kevin H. says. I think we have to approach the idea of the Lord being on our side with a lot of humility and skepticism, even people have done really horrible things in the name of God. They thought was on their side. Uh, yeah. 
it's a, uh, Elder, it's a, Elder Maxwell, it's a complicated... this, this quote here, Elder Maxwell chosen not to be lifted up, but to lift up others, right? What does it mean to be on the Lord's side? That it's to actually be part of the retribution, which is actually more restoration um, than anything else. It occurs to me that these comments, especially about the idea of the Lord, the egocentric, the Lord being on our side, um, seems like a fair number of prophets have been stuck with the job of telling the chosen people, the people who think they're the chosen people, hey, it's not all about you. And that's an unenviable task. Um, I... I think that's one of the reasons that prophets are sometimes from the margins, from the outside, is that that's a, that's a tough job to say you're, it's not all about you. Um, that's a hard message to hear. Megan or Christine, do you guys have any comments? Yes. Um, just thinking too, that I'm sorry with the crying baby in the background, but um, I think like your question there, kind of a perspective, kind of like how, how do we parse the prophecy of the Lord being on our side? And I think kind of what other people have said in the comments as well is like, because like, yeah, there's been a lot of people throughout history have said that, that God is on their side and they've done absolutely terrible things that God would absolutely not approve of. Um, so I think when we, when we hear that, or like when we, hear, like, I think it definitely should be taken with, a lot of humility, not to like puff ourselves up, be like, oh, we can do no wrong, but rather like what, what is required of me like to bless others? Like if we're all, if it's not like, really, I think it should be like, how are we on the Lord's side and what are we doing to actually to help his children rather than he is on our side and he's going to approve everything we do. So those are some thoughts there. I was just thinking as you were talking, um, it reminded me of hearing Lisa Sharon Harper speak about how if so how is something the gospel if it's not good news to people and when i'm engaging with people who think god is on their side and they're opposed to me um how am i um treating them and how am i um giving a message that is inclusive of them that would that is merciful to them that you know I'm seeking justice, but I also need to um, understand that God loves them as much as he loves me. There's good news. That's if the gospel is the good news. I like some of the threads that we're, we're teasing out of this, as you know, the idea of being on the Lord's side is us being on the Lord's side, not the Lord being on our side. And the idea of um, making it a lot more about community and about collectiveness. And um, I think a lot about one of the, the beautiful things about Mormonism is it's all about, you know, creating this covenant chain between all of us to have us all connected so that we can approach God together since God's of a higher nature, a higher being. And um, I think prophecy is one way to guide us to that um and to help us think through and think deeply about these things as we try to interact with each other um and as we try to engage with with 
you know, people differing views within our own community and then without our community as well in order to form all of us into a community. Um, my final question on prophecy deals a lot with the application of prophecy and uh, specifically thinking through Daniel, Daniel 1 through 6, how we, we use a lot of those prophecies to talk and apply to the church and to others. Um, and what is a, the, the, the perspective question that I'm asking can go in a lot of different directions. What does the application of these prophecies to movements from today do for the movement itself and for our view of, uh, of that movement and for our view of the prophecy that's being given? Um, so, yeah, I want to hear your thoughts on, on application of prophecy to contemporary ideas. Well, I, I think this kind of discussion is, in fact, very much part of that. That is, um, we have to take, since the prophecies in their original form aren't about us in 2022, um, we have to read them with some kind of abstraction, some kind of how is it that God works? How is it that prophecy works? What What are the things that prophets and the things that God cares about. And in some fashion, abstract those themes and messages uh, because they're not directly about tomorrow. They're about you know, something that happened a thousand years ago. But but I think there are themes there. There are, um, and that's, and, and we get to themes like repentance and like, pay attention and to um, you know, be good to each other because you're destroying your community if you don't. I mean, those are things I get out of the, out of the prophecies. So I'm really reflecting, I think, on um, – Kind of this, the Old Testament prophecies that are talking about, that are directed to and talking about covenants and covenant people. And that's a theme that President Nelson and, you know, is that idea of covenant, covenants is like so, um, like it's all over, right? Um, in the last few years, like we're, we're talking all the time about, um, covenants and being a covenant people. And so I think it's really, uh, it's been really helpful for me to, to look at the past and think about like this longer trajectory of the Lord talking about covenants and about covenant people and what that means and what that looks like. Um, Cause it's helping me kind of connect with the words of the prophet today, if that makes sense that, um, in a way that, um, yeah, <laughs> so I'm, so I'm really taken by, um, kind of the, the progression of thinking about covenants and we've got, you know, Moses and the 10 commandments and then, you know, Jeremiah and prophets and Christ bringing this new covenant that's in your heart, um, the covenant of baptism and how it's so centered on our relationships, not within our singular special group, but um, it's about our engagement and relationship with others, um, both within kind of our narrow community, but also 
with the larger world um, and the world's suffering people, um, which sometimes is us and sometimes it's not us. And sometimes we're the ones causing suffering. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I really like that idea of, of finding kinship with the past and finding connection to that. One of the, the things I struggle a lot whenever I approach the Old Testament is that subsumption of Jewish history into Mormonism. And I, I struggle with that because it, it feels like we're we're not giving the respect that the Jews today um, require and that we should do with all um, forms of religion. And I, I like that finding connection and finding, you know, how has God spoken to these other people so I can know how God's speaking to my people. Um and even as, you know, prophets reiterate and recreate prophecy into ourselves, we can still look at the past and see how they approach prophecy to understand how we can as well. So I really like that comment, Rebecca. Thank you. I'm also, influ- I'm oh. also influenced in my thinking by um, a couple years ago, the Reverend William Jennings um, came to BYU and did a, a whole series of workshops. And one of the ideas that he shared um, was this reminder of uh, Gentile inclusion <laughs> that um, that the Lord's covenant people were originally, right, this Israel. Um, and then others were then included in that. And so um, us being covenant people is like this larger story of reaching out across the sides um, and recognizing the shared um, humanity, uh, and that we're all children of God and all his people. There's there's a theme here coming through some of the, several of the comments, Georgia Thompson's, about what God wants us to learn and how to be with our fellow men, um, which makes me think a little bit about um, what 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 prophecy is not, or what, what things happen that are not prophecy. I mean, prophecy doesn't tend to be um, the sacrament meeting talk about tithing. It doesn't tend to be the um, you know, how to interact with your church leaders. Um, it, it tends to be about how we work as a community, how we um, behave, cooperate, engage with a community i'm thinking of you know, every everything from jonah to uh noah to uh ezekiel and, and all i mean that how in in george's terms what god wants us to learn and how to be with our fellow men i just wanted to jump on there i really also liked um elizabeth um Penrose comment about how like prophecy, it is something that can, that is, that can be long reaching the time span. We don't necessarily know like how long that, 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 that goes into sometimes, but that we definitely need to be careful on how we, and how we apply it to, to our, maybe like to ourselves. Um, but also like, and she also was mentioning how, like, I think this is something that is a thread coming, that's come up a couple of times is just how prophecy and like light of the restoration is, is it's ongoing as well. And like that, it's like, that it's an ongoing process there. Um, so I, and I, so I just wanted to chime in with, with her comment. I thought that she made something, a very nice comment there.
All right. Um, I'm going to move us to our, our other module, kind of. This took a lot longer than I thought it would take, so that's really good, actually. means we had a really good conversation, um, and it's one of the things I love being, one of the things I love about dialogue is that we have this community that we've created of people who can engage in, in questions on the long term. My, my final thoughts are related to um, kind of the conclusions that all of these books make, which is that hope and restoration or finding hope in God and, and God and the hope of, of some future. Whereas um, a lot of what I want to focus on the prophecy discussion was that idea of retribution, where we, we actually had some really cool rereadings of what retribution would be. Um, I want to think now how prophecy provides hope. And uh, and how how God hoping with God is is really good. And I'm going to open us up to to a, a smattering of questions, um, since I don't want to take up all of our time. I don't want to go like over an hour with the discussion part. We can we can of course cancel and go to the four year talk after. But I want us to think a little bit about this idea of of hope and prophecy and how prophecy can be um, a hope for people that they can find hope in the prophecy that the prophecy can provide um, a certain um, feeling of hope and faith for people. So these are some of the, the questions that I'm thinking about when it comes to ideas of hope and um, prophecy. So how is a, and I'm just going to read them all and then we can kind of tackle them however we want to. So first is how is a prophecy of retribution hopeful or how might we read that as hopeful? I think a lot of our discussion earlier kind of answered something like that, where we can review retribution, not as punitive, but as um, generative to creating a better community, a more Zion-like um uh, a more Zion-like community. Um, what faith does prophecy give someone? If prophecy gives hope and faith, then how might charity relate to prophecy? I always try to think a lot about scriptures to that, that wonderful faith, hope, and charity um, trifecta or or trinity, if we can discuss that here, <laughs> um, and, and, and thinking through that. So uh, another question could be, if a prophecy is not fulfilled, how might we still hope in God? So if something is given to us that says, you know, this will happen, and specifically thinking here through, um, you know, personal prophecy or or together prophecy, how we have like a lot of prophecies in the early church that didn't come to be, and a lot of people use that as a a negative for for God interacting with the early saints. But perhaps how might we still find hope even in, in prophecies that aren't fulfilled, either as we see them or or not. And then finally, if a prophecy is fulfilled contrary to how we individually collectively believe it, what does that do for prophecy in of itself and our personal or communal relationship with a higher power? So lots of questions to think about, um, especially because we're right here at the end, but um, we can, um, I'm going to open it up for people's thoughts on, on taking it any way they want to. <laughs> I'm, I'll just I'm throw out this one. Go ahead. Well, I, there, there are comments here, and uh, but I, I, I will just since I open my mouth. Um, the this line: if prophecy is not fulfilled, how might we still hope in God? I, I think that um, we start with a hope in God, and and what prophecy? I think it's a mistake to. But it's a natural mistake, but it's a mistake to think about whether it's fulfilled or not, because I think what prophecy tells us is what's important as opposed to what will happen. And I, that's, 
that's the way I reframe it, I guess. It's talking about what's important as opposed to what will happen. I like the distinction, and that fits with a comment that's on um, Facebook that says prophets aren't called to tell people what they're doing right. (laughs) And so, you know, how does that get us to then kind of rethink prophecy when it's, you know, direction for if you would be my covenant people, (laughs) Uh, if we want to move toward this place, um, yeah, then live the covenant um, that that you've taken on to be on my my side. I'll share Jody um, England Hansen's thoughts here. There's a superficial form of hope that might be felt if a prophecy is something that reinforces one's bias or opinion, that is just a type of dopamine hit that comes with agreement. I think a deeper kind of hope comes with any prophecy that has a good news message of God's unconditional love, even in the face of all human tendency to deny that. Hope comes in loving connection, especially when it is almost um, indescribable. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And um and that just, you know, some of the some of the verses here in Jeremiah are a reminder that God is the God of the world and of all of creation. So it's God who uh you know created the star, the light and the you know stars and the moon and everything around us and um and it's trying to uh, and this prophecy is trying to get us to step back and really see kind of the grand design. And it strikes me that that's what prophecy, um, including prophecy of retribution, <laughs> uh, is leading us to. Um, uh, and that and that that's kind of intrinsically hopeful, right? And uh, and connective. Um, and leading us to uh, a right way of living. I like Elizabeth's idea in the chat on Zoom, where calling it a technology, right? And what does a technology do? It helps us. It supports. It, it's meant to to be there as a um, a thing that makes something easier. And so, if we view prophecy as a technology, it's a way to help us, you know, get easier, closer to God. Um, as we're all trying to do, right, to to feel more and understand the nature of God um, and to get to that point of, of knowing God as God knows us in that relationship. There's an, there's an interesting question, and maybe this becomes an after-chat question. Um, how do we build community when individual personal revelation differs? Are we or are they mistaken? And I, I guess I... Adam, I'll put that back to you. I mean, I have I have a thought about that, but uh. um, I say let's take that up in the after chat so we can kind of close this down since we're almost at the hour <laughs> time. Because uh, when it comes to community building, I chat differently than in a spiritual setting <laughs> since I, I deal with utopia and dystopia. Um, <laughs> But, but briefly, I wanted to allow for Megan or Christine to have any final comments if they wanted to provide any, which you don't have to, but I wanted to 
provide the space. And for Rebecca and Chris as well, if you guys have any final comments. I keep looking at the third question on your list, Adam. I'm just saying like, if prophecy gives hope and faith, then how might charity relate to prophecy? And I think part, I mean, like, part of it, I think, is, like, what I think a lot, what Rebecca has talked about, talking about how, you know, prophets, like, um, they, like, when, they, when they're speaking about, about, they're, often, they're speaking about, sometimes about a collect, uh, an individual, like, a, excuse me, like, about a group, but also about, like, the children of God. Um, and so I think when we think about prophecies, how they relate to all of us within, uh, as God's children, that's one way to think about um, charity. I think another one, thinking about it, too, is, like, uh, prophets are constantly called people, that told to call people to repentance and for repentance it is like a, a turning to god and turning our hearts to god um and are being reminded of the charity of christ that of his of his atonement and of his love for us um so i think that there's many ways that we can that all all three of those faith hope and charity can all be connected to to prophecy um and sometimes it may might take a little bit of um like nuanced reading perhaps in some of those like kind of like thinking outside the box with some of those prophecies but that um especially kind of thinking with like in these cases of jeremiah and ezekiel and daniel but like they're that god can be revealed to us um through those prophecies certainly so another word that i'm hearing a lot recently um is belonging <laughs> And, uh, and that third question, uh, connecting prophecy to charity makes me think of that, right? So that um, prophecy is designed to lead us to belonging and belonging, um, you know, if we're looking at kind of retribution as being part of prophecy, then there's an obligation to set things right in order to create that belonging, that charity. Um, so I'm going to be thinking about this in the weeks to come about uh, the prophecy and retribution and, um, and how it's supposed to connect faith, hope, and charity. Um, and if it's not, then Maybe we're missing the point of that prophecy and missing part of the part of the call to repentance um, and to um, to our covenants. I will just add that for me, prophecy, with all of the complexity that we've talked about today, what prophecy communicates to me is that God is present. I mean, that's where I find hope. And faith, and that's also the love of God, which is charity, right? That's um, every prophecy says to me, God is present, and hmm, that's a message I need, I guess. Adam, I want to give you the last word as you you're going to lead us into a moment, a minute of silence, um, followed by uh, Megan with an op with a closing prayer, and Megan, you keep a timer there. But Adam, you ought to have the last word. Yeah, I, as the last word, I just wanted to kind of sum up a lot of what we've, we've talked about. Um, we've mentioned prophecy as a way of connecting with God, as a way of, of urging us to repentance. We've discussed retribution as a, not always a sense of, of punitive justice, but of justice as in an action to connect us as community. Um, we've talked a lot um, 
And we've been pointed to how in a lot of these, we're reminded that God is a God of all people, not just one specific, even as God interacts a lot with one specific, or the records we have is of God interacting with one specific people, and that God's on um, everyone's side, because there's a larger picture to things. Um, we've been reminded that um, sometimes it's important to have humility when approaching concepts of prophecy and um, of our declaration of who is on the Lord's side or who uh, do, who has the Lord on their side. We've thought together through um, ideas of, of hope and restoration, ideas of connecting to our um, of past children of God and their records as we approach our own contemporary time. And uh, we ended uh, on a, a discussion of belonging a little bit. And I think all of these are, are great thoughts when we approach the Old Testament, when we approach the idea of prophecy. And uh, um, I think as well, a lot of the thoughts that we had today connect a lot to um, the previous week's gospel study, as Rebecca pointed us a little bit to that idea of deep truth telling that Deirdre pointed us to. And I think that's an important thing to perhaps return to if you're wanting um, some more um, spiritual feeding today. And uh, um, I wanted to conclude with a, a moment of silence, because I think sometimes in this um, world, we we have a lot of noise around us and we don't get these moments of dedicated, complete silence. And so in order to uh, um, have that moment. I wanted to, to artificially create it per se. So if, if you're not in a silent area, that's okay. Um, if you uh, can though, take this moment to just silently think, to ponder, to reflect. Um, and so we're going to take a, a minute to do that. I'll say the closing part. Dear Heavenly Father, we're grateful for um, the Sabbath day. We're grateful for Adam and for um, the lesson he's prepared, for the conversations that he's facilitated. Grateful for the comments shared. And um, we ask thee for thy blessing um, throughout the rest of the day and the week that we can um, have thy spirit to be with us, that we can be reminded of um, the relationships we have with thee and um, with, um, with the children and that we can um, that we can bear one another's burdens and um, and and act more like thee and thy son. And we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And before we close, thank you all. Before we close, let me uh, or stop the recording. Let me mention that we are the program for the rest of the year. Um, we are looking forward to James Jones on November 13th and Nyland McBain on December 11th. Uh, there was a mistake in the chat by the, when I typed December 31st. That's December 11th. James Jones on November 13th, Nyland McBain on December 11th. There will not be a gospel study, a dialogue gospel study program on the Thanksgiving weekend or the Christmas weekend, the end of the year. So there are two more sessions this year. Um, thank you everybody who participated today and everybody in the chat. Um, we will close the recording now. Um, and Adam, if you've got a few minutes, I've got lots of thoughts. <laughs> you've been listening to the Dialogue Gospel Sunday Study. Find more of our podcasts at dialoguejournal.com slash podcast. Dialogue Podcast Network.